Welcome to Comically Confused, a New 52 podcast where we're covering the entire New 52 one book at a time. I'm your host, Grant. I'm your host, Nate. And Nate, what book are we covering this week? We're covering Chainsaw Man, chapter 1 through 52. Yeah, for the first time, we are covering comics outside of the New 52 and outside of the United States with our first ever manga, Chainsaw Man. Uh, Now, this uh, Y52 chapters, honestly, it's a pretty good cutoff point about a little over halfway through the series. And, you know, 52, just to be ironic with the title of the podcast. But yeah, this is about the first half of the series. And uh, Nate, I think you can speak to this a little bit more than I can as far as uh, what we have in store for him. Uh, So what I would call a chainsaw, man, is uh, if you mix like Doom, the video game, with a little bit of like mix Doom with Quentin Tarantino directing it and you get like chainsaw, man. Yeah, it's got that really high over the top gore and ridiculousness to it. What with the chainsaws and stuff. But then, yeah, just a very unique style all on its own that like doesn't take anything too seriously and also treats incredibly crazy things as very normal, like treating things, something like demon hunting as if it were a boring office job at times. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Very unique in style. It's very, uh, it's very like juvenile in a sense, but like in a fun way, but it, it's, it's not juvenile enough to say that it doesn't have any depth because this comic really does have depth to it. If you look down from like the surface level, other than like look past, like it's a dude with a chainsaw on his head killing demons. Yeah. And for those of you wondering why this book of all things, uh, well, if anyone heard our New Year's episode, you might have heard Nate and I discuss that this was uh, your mong- your favorite manga of last year, correct? Yes. Yeah, and I've been pretty unexposed to manga. I've read maybe less than about 20 volumes of it in my life compared to the thousands of American comics I've read. So, uh, I mean, he directly told me that this is the manga I should start on, given my tastes. And I got to tell you, man, you were not wrong. Uh, Reading 52 chapters of something, I did not expect to go so fast. And I didn't think I would want to be reading ahead so much more. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the, this just was a breeze. And like, honestly, if the if American comics read this quickly, we might be halfway done with the new 52 by now. Of course, we'd be definitely done by now. It takes, like, I'd say like the conversion rate is like, takes the amount of time it takes to read like one American comic takes like the time where to read like three chapters of a manga. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Page content wise, each chapter is about 20 pages, so it equates to around that of an American comic book. But uh, yeah, just the page layouts and the general pacing is so much quicker than that of American comics. So yeah, it really wasn't that hard for me to just get through 52 chapters in I think a week, maybe two, Uh, which I mean, it's often a struggle for me to get my reading done for even a single volume or for recording two (laughs) episodes. So yeah, I love how fast paced this was. It was maybe about the third the time it would take to read comics. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the uh, towards uh, manga more than comics just because to be able to read like a uh, content wise is way I can read way more manga than I can read like comics in the same amount of time. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I think this sort of sold me on manga because uh, I've always just kind of seen it as anime and book form. Uh, and just there's so many anime that I yeah. love that I love the animation style for like Attack on Titan and My Hero Academia. I love the animation of I like how they handle the fight scenes and stuff. So I don't really want to read it as stationary sequential pages and artwork. Uh, so 
now that I'm a little more exposed to what's available to manga, seeing how, like, I don't know how this is going to translate when it gets an anime later this year, and just talking to others about this and hearing about how many bad anime have good manga, sometimes vice versa, and just the different kind of manga there is. It's so different than what's available to American comics. So it's really catching my eye. I think I'm going to be keeping reading going forward from here. One, one main thing is, like, every manga is like an indie comic in America, especially because it's like the same person. Most times, like, the artists and the writers are the same person writing the whole thing. It's like a indie, but one thing that indie doesn't have what manga has is consistency because you don't know when an issue of like an indie com is going to come out. Yeah, what I couldn't believe was seeing that this book has like 91 chapters, I believe, and they all came out in a 97. Yeah, and they all came out in a two-year period. Uh, I mean... 97 chapters at 20 pages each that's like unprecedented for american comics to come out with this yeah same i mean content. it's it's unless it's a web comic it's no comic coming out weekly most you get is like bi-weekly for batman and i think one of the greater things of a uh, manga compared to anime because i used to be the same as you i used to just like stick to anime at, like most of the time manga anime is just used for advertising to the manga so a lot of times if you're like really into anime, it might just not continue because it's mostly just done for ad. Yeah. And then speaking of, uh, I'm hoping that this gets some additional traction down the line because yeah, this manga is getting an anime later this year from the studio. Uh, I think it might be pronounced Mappa or Mappa. Yeah. Mappa. Uh, Mappa. They're animated Attack on Titans uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing the final season of Attack on Titan. I saw they also did uh, Yuri on Ice, which I hear a lot of talk about. And they did one of my favorites from last year, uh, Inu Yashiki. So I'm certainly excited to see what they do with this. Uh, this most recent season of Attack on Titan has been awesome. So I, I think it's in good hands. You should expect, I, I'm, I might be over exaggerating, but you should be expecting like one Punch Man level of quality animation because it's a lot of young talent and like freelancers, like, freelance artists that want to come and do chainsaw man and we're talking like pro level because if you know something like one punch man that wasn't made because it just had a higher budget it was made the way it was season one not season two which is made that way because people was really passionate about the source material so you can see like you can expect the same quality at least from like seasons one of chainsaw man yeah so i guess that's something i would like to touch on i mean is chainsaw man like a huge deal in japan because you're one of the only person one, one of the only people i've heard talk about this but some of my more anime friends are hearing a lot of talk of it it's one of the hugest like manga i from recent history uh because most of the time you don't hear about something like this till like anime is announced you know anime is usually made for an ad and that's when like mangas get like uh start selling a lot some some like demon slayer had way little traction like shonen jump magazine until the anime came out but like people are, are loving chainsaw man like we like we have full-blown chapters animated have some games and like so much fan art of this manga before even the anime so yeah, people are really loving it, even though it's like 97 chapters, which is not a lot compared to like most manga that's around like 300 plus. It, yeah, and I did see that this comic is getting a sequel series, so uh, at least this has some room to grow as the anime is coming out. But I mean, yeah, we might be waiting a good four years for a second or third season like we have been with, like, say, One Punch Man and Attack on Titan. Uh, yeah, Attack on Titan season one and season two took forever. But uh, other than that, do we want to move on to our creative team here? 
Yeah, uh, one person. Yeah, uh, so this comic is both written and drawn by the artist uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto, uh, who, uh, Nate, I think once again, I'm going to defer to you this time around, since uh, you're actually the expert this time. He hasn't done much. If you know anything about manga, usually um, to get picked up on a series, so a magazine like Shonen Jump, uh, you have to make one-shots, basically. And if they like your one-shot, they pick you up for a series. And he had a series called Fire Punch, and I haven't read too much of it. And for him, he said he actually likes doing shorter comics. So he only lasts like 30 chapters, I think, 30 to like 40 chapters. So he went on to Shonen Jump and give a little explanation on like Shonen Magazine and demographic is towards uh, 12 to 19. It's like the teenage stuff. So that's stuff like Naruto, Dragon Ball Z. And even picked up by Shonen Jump was like a big act because that's the biggest manga magazine in like ever yeah it's like if toonami was a magazine that sold incredibly well in japan it's basically like marvel and dc combined if we're comparing the comics <laughs> i think a little more so too when we compare sales numbers mangas no, way yeah, out american comics but yeah like he he is not like the most well-known person but like after doing this this is this is really like boosting up and he seems like a really cool dude too the way he's like uh, manga has like little Arthur notes, and he's a really humble guy. Yeah, I don't think he was really expecting for this to blow up the amount of this. Might be like the next Demon Slayer once like the anime come out. Yeah, I mean, I really tried to do my research on this guy before the episode, but I mean, it's a completely different medium, so it's just kind of out of my element. But yeah, I did see that he just has a ton of one shots under his name, and just reading the description of Fire Punch, I can tell there's a little bit of similarities between these two. That one just sounds a lot more tragic, uh, but. But yeah, I think I will at least give a couple chapters of that a read after how much I've liked Chainsaw Man. <laughs> I'm going to check it out myself completed. Now, speaking of everything, starting with a one shot here, uh, let's actually take a look at chapter one of this manga. Uh, this was a bit of a learning experience for me. I was just kind of finding out that most first chapters uh, apparently have higher page counts than the rest of the series like this one clocks in about 55 pages whereas each chapter is only around 2021 uh but how did you feel about this as a first issue especially like through the comics lens we've been judging new 52 books by oh man this this is compares to the rest of the series this is one of the best like hooks to a series i have read It, it it tells you everything it shows you our main character it shows us his struggles it shows us what his goal is and it shows you uh his powers like you see like a it's like a whole story into this one uh chapter which i can't say for like most issue number ones in comic where that's just set up but you can just read this as a one shot and you get a whole story yeah i mean if this didn't get picked up for a series this would still be a pretty great experience just a little story about a boy and his dog uh i will say that like okay i love this first issue but tonally is quite different from the rest of the series just as it progresses uh i'm noticing this a lot more after having read 52 chapters and jumping back to the beginning Uh, i I just notice a little more contrast with like the main character and some of his ambitions and personality traits compared to the rest of the series but i think that very much is planned and explained as the book goes on yeah it's he, he, he really developed throughout this this is like the groundwork of him and i think you get a good enough explanation of his character uh little spoilers for uh chapter number one um not too heavy for the rest of the series but you really get to see denji is just a simple minded dude that's just trying to survive um it starts off with him killing a, a devil what you call him like the demons in this universe uh just for cash because his 
to pay back the mafia because his dad died and left him with all this debt. And like we first time him, like a uh, couple pages in, we see like he sold his eye, he sold like yeah. his uh, kidney, he sold. That's his, literally he sold page one. one. So one of his nut sacks. Yeah, he's just kind of doing the math like literally page one like okay got about a hundred grand for my eye uh and like so much for my nut that was barely anything and, like <laughs> it, it's just showing you how dark this can be right off the bat that this person's selling their body in the most literal sense to pay off a debt they weren't even the one to accrue and yeah like it, it really just kind of sets the light-hearted yet dark tone of the series yeah definitely it really shows like this totally you think expect to be like all dark and whatever, but it really shows why like I actually like like Denji compared to like any other like most anime protagonists when they have like I want to be like the the leader of the ninja tribe or I want to be uh the, the very Fire best King. like no one yeah, ever was like Denji just want to like survive that's all he's doing and like he's just happy to eat some bread that's a really mm. humble character yeah and I love that just like it's this comic is almost like a reflection of like the whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like, you know, having the physical needs at the bottom and then personality needs at the top. This guy like is pretty content to just have like food and shelter and then like to dream of getting more. And it's fun to see him just like being so happy to have the most minimal luxuries throughout the series. It's a real contrast to what I'm seeing elsewhere in comics. Yeah, definitely. Like comics are like anime, like, this is just a so simple-minded goal that you can't just like want to see him like just refill it, just eat a piece of bread with some butter on it. Yeah, and honestly, it does make you kind of root for the hero a little more just because you see how happy they are with so little. Uh, but at the same time, like they're not just some kind of like Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like level of good kids in this book like you know he's still a pervert he's kind of a bad person he lacks empathy but like yeah he's just so fun simple and humble that like he's very likable at the same time yeah he's very likable i mean he does he's he's not like a good person i'm not talking about like he's a billy batson that's who's happy being homeless type like he's pretty dumb that's one thing (laughs) he's pretty simple-minded as well He, he just has a straightforward goal but that that would make me gravitate toward him because, like, I just want to see him eat some bread with some butter or make out with a girl. That's like it's so simple goals, that, like <laughs> you can just relate to it. Now, I feel like I should give the reader a little bit of uh, what we're working with here. So, can't really summarize fifty-two chapters of a comic uh, in one concise paragraph long way. So, just to give you a basic rundown of the premise here. Uh, Denji is a Japanese teenager living alone with his pet dog slash chainsaw devil, Pochita, while trying to pay off his massive debts to the Yakuza by any means possible. The Yakuza tasked Denji with killing a zombie devil, but it's revealed to be a trap and both Denji and Pochita are killed by zombies. However, when their blood comes into contact with each other, Pochita merges with Denji's body, reviving him and turning him into a chainsaw devil a nearly invincible being with chainsaws attached to his hands and face. After slaying the zombie devil, Denji turns back into his human self and is recruited by a government devil hunting organization. He's once again tasked with killing devils, but this time under the threat of death since he is now a devil himself and can legally be put down at any time. This isn't a problem for Denji, though, because he's happy to do the job for good food, a place to live, and the approval of his beautiful and mysterious boss, Makima. As Denji rises through the ranks, he meets other devil hunters. As Denji rises through the ranks, we meet other devil hunters in the organization who form contracts with devils in exchange for supernatural powers. 
such as Denji's trainer, Aki. We also meet other devils recruited by the organization, including Power, the Blood Fiend, and Beam, the Shark Devil. It's slowly revealed that there are very powerful devils in the world who are all after Chainsaw Man's heart. So Denji and his friends have to fight for survival while also pursuing the mysterious figure behind it all, the Gun Devil. Yeah, that was a good summary, compacting uh, uh, 52 chapters and like four arcs worth of comic right there. Yeah, I mean, mostly issue one and then, you know, the rest of the series so far. Uh, or at least as far as I am. Uh, yeah, honestly, a little nicer not having to try and cram like a whole Batman volume worth of mystery solving <laughs> into one summary. So it was a nice change of pace for me writing these things. Yeah, well, because you're the one that's experienced for the first time, I'll let you lead the way for this episode. So you can get, you can start us off. Yeah, so we talked quite a bit about like how likable our main character is, but I, I would really like for us to point out just like, how he kind of develops past the first issue because in this first issue he seems a lot more hopeful and talkative and then it is implied that a massive change in him happens after he merges with his talking dog uh so i think that like it's kind of okay we see such a change but it's just weird to read the first chapter and then go right ahead into seeing him like uh just being so out for himself and yeah like kind of lacking in empathy toward other people that aren't his dog. Which makes sense for me because like Denji was like living on his own case by case. It was like survival to fittest with him and like Pushia for a long time. So I wouldn't expect him to have the social skills that's necessary. Mm. I mean, his father can't be that good because I mean, he, he killed himself just so he didn't have to live with the debt. I do like the humor of it a little bit that he is so simple and like, he really doesn't understand like social he, just, he hasn't been in school or anything. He has no education. So he doesn't understand any, like, social skills or whatever. Yeah, and uh, off topic here, but I did want to take a second to point out uh, Puchita. Just, I love how cute of a design they gave to this character. Like, he's a borderline Digimon with a chainsaw face, and we only really see him in this first issue, and then, like, he's just kind of talked about later on. But uh, I get the feeling like they got to do something with him later. I mean, you know, for sure, since you've read the series, but like, uh, I can't say anything yet. Can't say yeah. Anything. No, I really love just the, They made something so deadly. So cute. I like the contrast we have with him in issue, uh, chapter one, where we see, um, throughout the chapter, we just see like Puchia's is like Pokemon or Digimon partner. Yeah. And then like, he just like, just start talking in this like, so, uh, different tone that which you're respecting yeah yeah it really took me by surprise so that's why i was shocked that he doesn't show up and talk again or act as some kind of like conscience for denji through the rest of the book yeah he bonds with denji basically throughout and like it's he make a contract saying um because denji's the only one that like denji denji one took care of him so when he was like dying so like they what was the contract it was basically um you make me your heart if you can spare some or something yeah, so we see in flashbacks that Denji saved the life of Puchita, like basically fed him his blood so he could revive. And he's like, all right, I'm saving your life. And in return, you have to save mine. So that's kind of why they stick together to help him like earn enough to pay off his debts. And then like we find yeah. out that at one point he offers Puchita his body should he ever die. He's like, oh, I know some of you devils can take over bodies. And if I die, I want you to be able to like, I don't want you to just starve or get killed by another devil. So you're welcome to use my body if it's ever like if it ever comes to that. Yeah, I'm reading right now. The contract was I give you my heart in exchange. Show me your dreams. That was a contract between the mm. two. And like like when we say like Denji was like dead, like he was like cut up in pieces. 
Yeah, yeah, he's decapitated and dismembered and everything. So yeah, I can't wait for you to like read more for Alcus Valpuccita because he comes back later. Mm. Okay, yeah, I figured as much. And yeah, I just love the whole idea. Of, yeah, I just love the idea of like it's basically if instead of John Wick avenging his dog, if he and his dead dog like did a fusion dance and then went on their quest for revenge. So like yeah. right off the bat, wonderful premise. John Wick became a werewolf. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about like Denji's ghost route because it's it's slowly increasing in like intensity throughout the uh, chapters. Like first it was just that I just want some food. Then he just want to like have a girlfriend. Then he want, first of all he want to be with a girl. Then he want to kiss a girl. Then he want to like touch a boob. Like he's really like juvenile in what he really wants. But like he's a teenage boy. Yeah, and there's a lot of wonderful moments as he's kind of realizing what it is to achieve one's goals and like for things to fall flat because uh, there he does get to a point where he's like, oh, okay, I want to touch a boob. And then he does find a way where he consensually gets to touch someone's boob and it's not all it's cracked out up to be. And he has like I, an I existential crisis about it. I can't wait to talk about that scene because that, that scene was super funny. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it would be worth it to just go ahead and touch on the humor of this book because Denji is kind of the key role of said humor. Like, I normally don't like the jokes in anime and manga all that much. Uh, maybe part of it's the way it's delivered via voice acting or uh, some other just like lost in translation effect here. But no, I genuinely found this book laugh out loud funny at multiple points so far. Like in chapter four, they were like fighting some, uh, they were fighting like a devil, right? And it was whole like they had this whole setup saying like how Denji actually cares about devils, he doesn't want to hurt him. And at the end you just find out basically that he just didn't want to kill the devil right there just because it was some porno porno magazines. <laughs> he didn't yeah. want to get blood on him. Yeah, he kills it as quickly and painlessly as possible because like I don't want them to suffer, but now just looking to get his porno stash and not get any blood <laughs> on it. I think that's the reason why I gravitate toward Denji compared to like other shonen protagonists because we have we have such outlandish goals, you know. Like, not saying like out having an outlandish goal is a bad thing, but like I can't become like a pirate king, or I can't be like Hokage of a ninja village, you know. But like I can relate to being a teenager and wanting to touch a boob. Yeah, yeah, and I think what really helps both make denji remain likable and the humor of this book feel genuinely funny and less cringy than everywhere else is like even when it has that typical like anime pervertedness everything is still for the most part above board i mean denji is hinted at that he might be 16 but he's like been too dumb and homeless to like have any kind of system to know how old he is uh so yeah hasn't really kept track of his age so like who knows other than that, like, yeah, we're not seeing him, like, do anything that a female character doesn't want done to them. Yeah, and it's not like, like in case. it's not like in Dragon Ball Z, because, like, anime has a real problem. That, like, it's really cringeworthy. At, like, like in Dragon Ball Z, we have Masaroshi literally being, like, a sexual offender, like, mm-hmm. an actual groper, which I, I can't find funny. I don't know if it's a culture thing or whatever, but I don't think that's sexual harassment is funny. But at least in this, like, any, like, sexual thing, you're, like, it's consensual. It's just the situation is funny. I, I just think the humor in this book is just a nice juvenile charm, but it's not like juvenile enough. You know, like this is like for not for me, like for like straight like kids or teenagers. Like this it's just juvenile charm to it. Like it's one uh part where just kicking some dudes in the balls. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I love that because, like, they're even poking fun at anime tropes in that moment. They have this whole setup thing that he's got a villain in his custody, and he's like, we're going to have a tournament. And I'm like, oh, crap, another manga that has a tournament argument. No, no, he's setting up, we're going to have a tournament to see how hard we can kick this guy in the nuts because he's a bad person. And, like, <laughs> if he just dies, he doesn't get to suffer enough. So this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, it has just such a nice charm to it that, like, you just can't not, not love it. Yeah, ju- and just that whole, like, subverting expectations really adds to the humor so since this is kind of like playing around and making fun of tropes in other shonen action manga i think that just really helps with the humor like it worked great in one punch man and it's working well here so yeah i think just that element of parody i'm finally educated enough on anime and this genre for me to pick up on and appreciate yeah, because, I mean, this manga as a whole is just, like, my type of media that I like to consume. I, I'm i more of a person who likes uh, something that's fun but has depth instead of having something that just has depth. I like, mm-hmm. if we're comparing, like, famous, like, HBO shows, I like shows like The Sopranos, which has depth, but it's still, like, a funny show compared to something like The Wire, which is just, I, it's subjectively a good show, but it's not fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually feeling you a lot there. That's why I didn't finish The Wire, was I didn't feel like dedicating myself to, like, 40-plus hours of being bummed out. It's like watching, like, reading Watchmen and then, like, reading, like, some, like, Invincible. Both mm-hmm. good, but it's, like, having different goals. Like, Watchmen is made to be, like, an amazing comic, which, of like, Invincible is just for, like, a fun comic, but can have, like, depth to it. Yeah, and I could see why I think you had drawn comparisons to with this to Invincible in the past, or at least kind of help use that to pitch me on this book. And I can certainly see that with just like how it establishes its own brand of like superheroes, its world building and stuff, and how it is playing with like some superhero tropes. Because uh, I mean, that's uh, yeah. um like 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 Invincible is like a a superhero story, but like superheroes are not special. And this is like a demon hunter story where like demons are not special. Yeah. Just everyone's kind of used to them. And like, I I find the way they play with the demons and devils really weird here. Cause they are very much pointed out to be like second class citizens, but like not in an oppressive way or a way that I think they're like an allegory to something else, which they would be if this were American content or American comic books, they do the X-Men thing. But here it's like, yeah, the devils are always getting threatened that like, if they disobey the rules, they're just going to die. But like, we don't see any all around good devils either. Or like any that like really raise a stink. Like if you didn't oppress me, I'd be a great person. So it just feels weird seeing that as a, allegory yeah let's let's talk about like the power sets whenever uh in this uh manga we have devils you know basically devils are just demons and like any other media but what make them like really unique and special throughout this like each devil is based on like a human fear so basically uh something like a gun is like one of the biggest fears like people so a gun devil is like one of the strongest devils in this universe so like a devil's strength is correlated to how much people fear him. It's just like really cool concept, the way I do like a power system, mm-hmm. which is like pretty easy to just understand how strong something is. Yeah, and what I thought really helped that add to the world building this book is how it generally changes like mass media and the world's landscape because yeah, the world experienced one like very this tragic event reminiscent of like 9-11 and some of the imagery oh, yeah. and the way it's talked up. 
uh, but like on an international scale. And after that, they're like, oh, we can't report on any devil activity in the news because it spreads fear and makes those devils stronger. So like a lot of this is happening like in the shadows, but without any kind of cover-up attempts. It's just like, no, nah, the news won't report on this. We can have our big devil fights in the middle of the city. Yeah, it's like, especially when they're talking about guns, like guns is like, we don't want to make the gun devil because gun devil is like the big main bag bad of these the series and we don't want to see like the gun devil we don't want gun devil get any stronger because that 911 scene you're talking about is so like interesting the way they show it because each panel has like a caption saying like how many people are dead in this country or this city or whatever and it, it, they just have like, outlaw guns because you know what gun devil gets stronger yeah so like that just sets itself up to like make the world be as ridiculous as it needs to be without needing to over explain anything either uh and yeah. like it just shows how different this world is without any kind of massive overview so like we see that yeah the news is wildly different that devils just walk around and are like generally feared but also integrated into society uh and it gives more leeway when it comes to the other outlandish parts of the book like every time we see a person struggling with poverty it's like to the most ridiculous extreme like denji selling his own body parts or like one of the minor characters being forced to hunt devils by her parents so her siblings <laughs> can go to school like is weird they, like she even says it was this or prostitution like whoa we're not gonna dwell on that or unpack that yeah I, I actually like it i i like this type of story that doesn't like especially for some like shonen where you have like a whole bunch of expositions playing in the world or whatever like in this like, it's so easy to understand, like, the how strong something is just based on, like, what devil is it? The way they do it, to make, like, other characters other than, like, Denji, because uh, it's two different types of, like, devils. It's, like, a devil that's, like, a monster, and it's something called a fiend, which is, like, a devil that, um, it's basically inside a person. Like, it has, like, a human figure. That was, like, the second-class citizens that, like, they can be around, but they're controlled by, like, government compared to, like, just getting killed on the street. It, yeah, yeah, and... I kind of like those. I like how they play with that dynamic. Just like that. We, so many of the characters are quote unquote heroes under threat of death. So like, you can tell that they don't want to be there and that this isn't their motivation. We can even tell that they are like kind of villains at heart, but at the same time, they still like make them likable people and like treat this as like their job. They hate. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. We're saying that it's two different sectors of being like a devil hunter in this. You either have like the public center, which is like <laughs> the crazy stuff, and you got the private sector where it is the like it's basically like corporations running it. And like you said, you have to be crazy to work in like the public sector because it's just you just fight crazy shit. Mm. Yeah, they even say like the crazy ones are the people who succeed in this role. So like that's why as you meet this whole dynamic cast of like demon hunting demons or devil hunting devils like you see that everyone is crazy and a little off their rocker and where most manga and anime are just like oh yeah we have a fun quirky cast this actually goes out of its way to explain why everyone in this place is so weird and quirky yeah and i i love how they play going back on like the devils like i i like how they play with like making a deal with the devil and that's like the main way like other characters can be powerful in this you basically just call like call it a contract and you just give something to like the devil and then you can use their powers i think that's a really cool way to do it because I'm, I'm be frank i'm really tired of these like big animes explaining like 
a whole like 10 minutes playing like a power system or this is just like simple and we get straight to the fun. Yeah, and this is one thing I have to say for anime and manga is I'm noticing that when they introduce a world of superhumans or flat out superheroes, the powers are way more unique and interesting than anything I've seen in comics in a long time. Like My Hero Academia is obviously great at this, but even other shonens like Tokyo Ghoul or uh, Dead Man Wonderland, uh, even things that are, like aren't super f- battle focused, they'll have these really interesting power sets that aren't quite like what we see in America with the powers given to the heroes. The biggest thing different like a comic book with superpowers compared to something like a manga where in a superhero comic you can only do so much up to it because a superhero comic is not really about the progression because the way like a manga does it like we start the character off with like a basically like a level one character and like you slowly see them progress how like as their as their character develops you see their powers develop as well so you can like see how much they grown not by just by their powers but by the character and vice versa or in like a American comic like Spider-Man, it's just that was how to be Spider-Man once you get bitten by the spider, basically. You don't really see him progress. Yeah, and I mean we do have something of like the story arc of heroes getting more powerful here, but it's usually just in their origin story and they're kind of peaked there. Like we do see that in like Doctor Strange and a little bit Captain Marvel and a few other book uh movies and books. But yeah, after that, it's not like their whole comic run is about them getting stronger and facing bigger threats. You don't see like Superman <laughs> benching weights. The only time I actually seen that in like a American comics, like Invincible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which does actually have something of a power crawl, as they call it in anime. Yeah, uh, let's go. Let's go to the characters. Um, what you want to talk about? Which one are you talking about first? Ah, uh, this is definitely an area we'll need to be a little more sen- boy or sensitive, I think. But yeah, I think I'd like to start up top with a uh, Makima, the like, I mean, oh, sort of love. I can't interest. say much right here, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just like our first side character we meet and the first major love interest. Uh, I really like what they do with her. Like, she very much is like filling some elements of like the best girl trope or like the super nice friendly girl, but like. To the reader, it's very obvious she's manipulating the main hero for her own gain. Uh, and also to put Denji to a good use. Like, <laughs> it's kind of a win-win for the public and for her, but we can see that there's more going on behind the scenes with her. She's really surrounded in mystery throughout this. Like, you really don't know. You know something off about Makima during these chapters. You don't know what it is. And I just really like the way how she just teases Denji. This is like, Denji really just want to be with Makima, and you really can see how she knows this and just slowly, like, reeling him in. Yeah, and I mean, if we haven't sold you on the book this far, if you... There's some weird borderline kink stuff going on with their relationship, like, yeah, not so much directly on screen with anything overtly sexual, but, like, they have almost like a pet relationship. Like she even refers to Denji as her dog a lot. And uh, I mean, just treats him in something of like a lovingly degrading way. (laughs) Is the only way I can put it. This this manga is really different from like a lot of like anime targeted towards like, like teenagers. Cause, um, you know, like usually when you see like sex in like anime, like it's just like, Oh, we can't do this. And like, they try to cut away from him because the character's too scared. But you like basically like seeing on like on display, like, not like not like porn or anything, but you can see like they're not afraid like to show some stuff. 
like we see like him grabbing boobs and like yeah yeah and i mean they usually still stray away from overt nudity but i mean yeah it yeah. is not an all ages manga by any means Denji has like hormones compared to mm-hmm. some anime protagonists yeah as far as our less hormonal characters go uh the next like major character borderline protagonist uh, i would probably attribute to aki here who's like the sword wielding trainer figure how you feel about him i really like uh, him. I-, I like how he's the one who they're really like fleshing out a backstory for i feel like he has a little more traditional like uh hero on a mission or like hero on a revenge quest like he, he has kind of like a batman origin and like is that's why he's going into devil hunting is to avenge his family uh and I like that he's like our actual perspective character or the one that we're meant to relate to. I think like he's the, the gym in the office of the gang, only not funny at all. Actually, that's actually a nice comparison. Like, uh, Denji's basically like the Michael Scott. Well, uh, Aki is like the gym. Yeah. I, I just like it because like, he's the perfect foe for Denji. And I really like their interaction between each other. Yeah. And they make a lot of, uh, there's a lot of effort put into showing the emotional side of Aki and like how affected he is by every tragic thing that happens in this book, which is really needed because they also show that Denji is not at all affected by like the death of people he knows. Like basically this, his devil dog kind of became his heart when they fused. So they wonder if maybe that's what the deal is, but he's just an emotionally stunted adult that doesn't really know how to process these things and doesn't seem to affect him. while. Aki knows how tragic it is of every young coworker of his that dies going into this field. Yeah, he's basically he's basically like the emotional core of this book. While Denji is just like our protagonist, we're looking through, but like all like the hard hidden stuff we really see from like Aki's perspective, because like a lot of crazy bad stuff happens towards him in this book. Yeah, and just the way he's kind of accepted his fates. Uh, sorry, accepted his fate. He's a borderline anti-hero if it weren't for the fact he doesn't do anything that's not really questionable like uh, you can understand all his actions he doesn't do anything that's like breaking the rules of the hero's journey or anything but just purely how like tragic the story is and you know it's almost definitely not going to have a good ending like yeah it makes you feel like an anti-hero yeah, you wanna you wanna start talking about like some spoils so we can go in, like more in depth on this spoilers for the rest of these chapters yeah i think we're at the point especially because some of the other characters worth touching on don't show up until well into this chunk of the book. Uh, so I think at this point would probably be a good time to steer away or maybe at least skip around because I think we'll need to touch on some spoiler territory here. Yeah, one one last thing before we go, like before you like cut off to read this amazing manga, uh, Power is the best girl in this uh, whole manga. Uh, that's all you need to know so far. And then if you start talking about spoilers. All right, so... Uh, yeah, what specifically about Aki's background and spoiler territory you want to cover? I really like the vengeance territory that Aki has towards, like, he, he fits, like, the Batman vibes, you know? Like, he, he has a goal that he has to do, and he does it no matter what. He's going to do it, even, like, increasing his life. Yeah, so for those who don't mind the spoilers, we find out that this mysterious sword that Aki carries around throughout that, like, he goes through a couple adventures where they reference it as like his ultimate weapon. They build up for a good 20, 30 issues. And when he uses it, you find out every time he cuts something, it lowers his lifespan. Like he's literally whittling it down to just a couple years later into the book. Uh, so like, that's why they tell him never to ever use it unless it's literally like a life or death situation. But he still uses it because to him, 
his goal is just to kill the gun devil just because the gun devil is the one like killed his family and it's really like tragic two panels it's basically like we see his house and his brother going towards the house and then the next panel it's just gone because like it's a gunshot it just happens in an instant yeah and like a massive gunshot at that like imagine just like if a nuclear bomb took the path of a bullet and just took everything out in that one little area that direction but like everything is gone like a straight line tornado yeah and aki has like the real like you can imagine a reality where aki is like the main character throughout this because he has like the stereotypical anime goal of like i want to kill this one thing no matter what while edgy is just trying to like grab some tits yeah like that's why makima seems a little bit understandable in her manipulations because like she is the reason that denji wants to kill the gun devil because he wants basically that's going to be his key to asking her to being his girlfriend and so that's why he's doing it you know at least they're being direct about the shipping or the love interest here it's not a like will they won't they and then they're together in the last issue yeah well aki is like (laughs) for some stuff his love interest his love interest died um in this Oh, right. Yeah. Before there's even any emotional payoff. Uh, so again, spoilers, but yeah, one of the other characters really worth touching on is Jimeno, who's kind of like Aki's former trainer who shows up and like, it just has a ton of personality is kind of comic relief and has a more or less like tragic backstory and end as well. Yeah. And you can really see like, she has a crush on like uh, Aki basically. And like she, she dies. Like it's basically like that gets sets up the next chapter she dies yeah and what i find surprising there is that like that definitely is where aki's story takes a darker turn as far as like what he's willing to do to achieve his goal before he dies but like we don't see her death specifically i think like weigh on him as much as his family's does or like i don't feel like he's just out to avenge himeno afterwards but that definitely does put him over a certain line and weigh on him it's one of the only deaths to him basically what i read it as that really like meant something personal to him compared because it's a tons of like devil hunters that like died throughout like Aki's time as like a devil hunter but no one has this like deep connection with him Kameno like Kameno was a great character even before she died so we feel we feel like actual weight towards it yeah and I mean we even see some level of like how the other devil hunters are kind of expendable by this point uh I mean we meet a whole team of them on their first real adventure and I feel like they weren't quite as memorable enough for me to feel like I needed to write notes about them, but Jimeno, they dedicated time to developing before killing her uh, fairly early in the series. But like, yeah, she gets one or two filler arcs or filler chapters dedicated to her. Yeah. We see her goal. Um, We see like, she even try to like, try to like convince Aki to go to like the private sector and just live a like comfy life. But like Aki is so dead set on like killing the, the gun double that he just has to climb. Yeah, and I feel like normally when they kill a character like this, they try and make them, like, as idealistic as possible or super innocent. I mean, think, like, uh, the little girl from Full Metal Alchemist. Like, they try and make that loss super tragic. Like, no, Jimeno's a terrible person. Like, she tries to seduce <laughs> Denji. She, like, gets too drunk and, like, throws up on and into other people. Throws uh, up in Denji's mouth. Yeah, uh, yeah, just like some of the most ultimate gross-out humor I've ever seen in comic form. Uh, Got so, uh, Aki addicted to cigarettes. Yeah, talked Aki into smoking. Like he was so dead set against it, but yeah, convinced him to smoke. So like, 
terrible person, but like super likable. In fact, I think yes, my, he's, he's realistic. Yeah, like my notes on this book weighs in like this feels like the the it's always sunny in Philadelphia cast transposed into an action manga and that like you're aware all these people are super terrible, but they're also really likable, but like you're not supposed to think they're good people by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, they're not good people at all, but I mean I'm not like I, I, that's what make it good because you can see like another anime, another art author trying to like put this like good character, morally right character, but that doesn't really work at the five of this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I, I think our other major characters we're touching on are just like really the fun demons of the book or the fun devils. Like I, uh, one one more human though. You don't can't forget about uh, Kobeni. Oh right. I mean, I feel like I kind of can forget about Kobeni though, because all I've seen her do is like run around and be scared. I, I kind of forget what her power set even is. and We don't know at this point. Yeah, we've just seen her being ready for death a bunch of times, but somehow she's the devil hunter that still is around despite so many close calls and so many, like, callings among the devil hunting staff. We're going to talk more about Kobeni in part two, but, like, she, her purpose right now is just to tor- get tortured. And that's, like, that's that's part of, like, the cruel humor of the book some way. How she is just getting tortured. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like a scene where they with uh and uh getting trapped like a devil, and she's like the first one to crack. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like that they have this person to contrast like all these frankly badasses with in the rest of the group. Like, yeah, she's kind of the normal person that's as terrified as a normal person would be in these devil hunting situations. So yeah, we can we can start talking about to like the actual devils and uh aka the fiends. Yeah. Most of them are fiends. Not like fiends again. They're just like the um, devils inside like a human body. Yeah. Well, I mean, you already pitched her as best girl. So, uh, yeah. How about you expand a bit on your thoughts on power, the the blood fiend? I, it's like power is just like a stupid denchy, basically. And I, I don't know. I don't really see this dynamic between like a really st- two stupid characters that really work really well that I'm entertained. Like power is like really out there. And, like her stupidity. Yeah. No, I... I don't really see her like romantically being. I don't see her romantically getting together with Denji for the same reason we oh, never no, got Joey and Phoebe. Yeah. But it's just that they just they're they just really worked good together. Because like Power is Power is like a, a hardcore narcissist, but like she doesn't understand like most things. I think uh it was like one cool scene in the bar when she's saying like IQs and like she she says like a high IQ and then she just keep going up like it's like my IQ is like over a thousand or something like that. Yeah, she's like, oh yeah, I have like an IQ of a hundred and they're like, oh yeah, so and so over there is an IQ like that. Like, I actually think it was two hundred and just keeps. And you just see her sweating. Just, just see her sweating because she didn't know it was low. Yeah, weird superiority con complex going on there and like yeah just also is the worst roommate and like has a bunch of gross out humor of her own like doesn't even flush a toilet after she uses it so like ultimate train wreck of a girl but also a very endearing character like definitely i think she's kind of there to help humanize the devils that aren't denji or just show that like there is emotion and love here. Like her first major arc is about her trying to rescue her cat. So like you kind of understand even her like most evil actions in this book right off the bat. Yeah. She's, I don't really see, she's like chaotic. She, she reminds me a lot like Harley Quinn in a sense. She's not really like bad. She just, 
doesn't know better. Yeah, and I am really excited to see more of her power set. Like, so far in the book, we haven't really seen her cut loose, and she's often the first one to run away in fights. So I am really waiting for that payoff there, because I know they're limiting her powers as of right now. She helps with, like, Dendi development. Um, The one scene I was talking about, like, say I don't want to talk about later, uh, it's one scene where, like, her and Power and Denji has an agreement, like, if Denji help um, Power save the cat, he can, um, like, grab her boobs for, like, three times, three seconds, I think. And yeah, like, that yeah, was his whole motivation throughout that, getting the cat, not to save, like, a cat, because he's not, like, Superman trying to save cats. He's just wanting to grab her boobs. And, like, during that scene, we actually get to see it. And, like, she had padding underneath it. And Denji started freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, that that was really my first scene of like, okay, I can get on board with the humor of this book. Like they're very upfront about this and like these are both the kind of people that I yeah, I'm willing to make a deal where like you can grab my boob in exchange for doing stuff for me. Like and plus power I think is super old and I think they've mentioned she's like hyper aged or immortal or something. So yeah, yeah, it's not some underage teenager getting groped here. So, you know, this is about as good as perverted manga I'll get. And yeah, it's just, just a fun character. I think having Denji and um, power together really works good because most time we only see them together being like really goofy. One is like with Aki or the mentor figure and them being like the straight, the foil to them. Yeah. And I feel like she's a good buildup for us to eventually contrast like the other fiends and devils we meet. Uh, like, I really liked seeing how uh, Beam, the shark fiend, like how his interactions kind of contrasted powers. Like, we actually have devils that can be really loyal and, like, want the it's respect like a, of others. Like a, like a fanboy. Yeah, and uh, where I'm at in the manga, we haven't seen that much of Beam, but I get the feeling we'll see a bit more, mostly just because of how iconic it is to see, like, the chainsaw man riding a giant flying shark. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> that's like the most. That's like one of the most awesome panels throughout this. It's just because the scene went out like BM telling like Denji to like do some trick with his chainsaws to make him like go faster or whatever. And like in Denji mind, he thought that meant him turning to a shark and him riding him. Not what BM thought at all. Yeah, I think he's even describing basically being Spider-Man, like using the chains to like <laughs> grab onto buildings and swing from them. And everyone's like, oh yeah, use your powers to make you move around quicker. All the other powerful demons are doing it. And human Denji's like, yeah, yeah, turn into a shark. <laughs> like, yeah, use it as a lasso. <laughs> And you just see DC Beams was not unhappy about those situations. <laughs> yeah, he, no, I'm he, he, he's like, I didn't, not that's not what I meant. Yeah, and I love that it's very much building up that we're gonna get some of Chainsaw's backstory through Beam. Like, it seems like he knows the previous version of Chainsaw. Uh, it's all very vague where I'm at in the book, but I can tell he's gonna be the source of a lot of explanations. Yeah. I'll, what, uh, Go to the next character you want to talk about. I don't want. Uh, I don't want to like see a character that hasn't been introduced yet. Yeah, I think that's it for the major ones that like I thought were memorable in the book. The other devil hunters I thought maybe had cool powers, but like just the characters themselves weren't memorable enough to me to write down. Did the, the angel appeared right? Right. Yeah, I have seen the angel character. Did the violence 
uh, Fiend appears as well? I don't know if I've seen the violence Fiend yet. They've maybe been mentioned. Uh, we did get one, like, we've had one Suicide Squad scene where they, like, show the new devils in Division 4 or whatever, uh, and they kind of show them all off. So I might have seen the violence Fiend there, but yeah. I think yeah, he was in that. He hasn't done anything, like, too good yet. Uh, well, we can talk about the mentor, though, because he's an interesting character. Oh, right. Yeah, he just kind of shows up for a few chapters and then is then gone. But yeah, we have kind of like a drunken master style figure here that just beats the hell out of uh, Denji and power. And like, he's like, okay, yeah, if you guys can kill me, then you're ready. So yeah, just this almost immortal dude fighting these two invincible characters, never ending. Which makes sense because like, I I like that concept because like, he just straight up just kills them every time because uh. Both Power and Denji are like practically immortal. They just need to drink like blood from them and like come back to life. Like they're they can't really kill. Them. Like uh, it's like one funny moment saying like they explain this saying like a uh, Denji. It's like a what was it like a a motion machine that can like make motion? What'd you call it? Uh, a perpetual motion machine. Yeah. <laughs> he said he's a perpetual motion machine. He just sprays blood, drinks his own blood, and just comes back. Like it's so stupid. Um. Yeah, we just see him like just kill him over and over again. Yeah, and that's a really interesting dynamic to have as well in a book. Like, okay, what if there was a fuel for Wolverine's healing factor or something? So you can both have invincible characters, but have like one major flaw with it, or you know, uh, I just feel like they do a good job balancing even their most overpowered characters. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll we'll it, see more with them on part two. Yeah. Any other characters you want to touch on before moving on? Uh, not uh not early. You want to just talk about like the overall like arcs in this? So uh, you feel? Yeah, like I did feel like the arcs were uh, they definitely had a different pacing than what I'm used to in this. But then again, it's my first time taking arcs in chapter form. Uh, I just thought it was surprising that they didn't even seem dedicated to specific volumes. Just sort of events flow into the next, usually with a little filler here and there. But yeah, it's just really. It's too fast paced for me to see this split up in arcs the same way Dragon Ball is split up in arcs. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think like the only main arcs we have like the the building, and then we just have like the the all like uh <laughs> everyone dies basically section. Then you have like the girlfriend one. Yeah. Now, do you feel like this is a series that actually could have used a little more filler to like? maybe tie us to these characters they killed a bit more, or do you feel like it's better served by this like ultra fast pacing? I think it's served because I think during like the first time, especially talking about like the time, like with Katana devil and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like it was supposed to be just like, Oh, where people thought, cause this is the first time I actually see like characters like die a lot. So it's like, we're supposed to think, okay, we assume as an audience that we're going to spend time with these characters and we're going to develop with this team. So it's like really like WTF when like they just all just start dying. It's like we have enough to like uh, some of them that really matters to have an impact, but like most of the death are just stock value. Yeah, I definitely felt that it was kind of reminiscent to Attack on Titan for me, like when they kind of get us to love certain characters and then like almost immediately kill them off. Uh, Honestly, it's a trope I don't mind seeing more of. It feels a little weird that like I don't get more of a connection before they kill these characters. But like when they bring that moment into the first half or quarter of a book's run, it really shows me that like anything can happen or none of my favorite characters are safe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So out there, especially like it's it's they they, they give you enough because we did have the depth like 
sad death with um Hobeni. Uh was did I say it right? Uh Jimeno. Jimeno. We did have like that type of death with feeling. I feel like we have enough time with Jimeno to feel something, but it was like the other dude, like the hard ass that died, which which is like pretty surprising. Really, these characters that like they just built up through the building arc. Like when we see them go after they even got their own little like character development, the filler. Yeah, that I think that was real the shock value deaths. Uh, other than, uh, I, I kind of don't want to spoil that one major like chapter twenty three shock death. Uh, but yeah, other than that, these two were really showing them like okay, no one you've seen is safe. Yeah, I, I like. I think it's a nice. But the point of like filler, I feel like this, this manga is really like a roller coaster ride, and I feel like with uh the third, like the fourth arc with him and the uh, Reds, really like that that low moment where we actually get some time to chill before we go back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as like the escalation there, or, like how each arc kind of builds the next level on the next. Uh, how do you feel about the general action in this book and the way it's drawn and portrayed here? I, I like it a lot. I really it, it it feels somewhat of uh like how you see like storyboarding of like some fight scenes in movies and like TV shows, but it, it looks really well. Yeah, for me, it's very different than what I'm used to seeing in American comics, and I think this is where the lack of color in manga really starts to throw me for a loop. I mean, like I've read American public uh, American comics that were originally published in color, republished in black and white, and it is harder to follow, and I do think that plays a role in some of the action here it doesn't make me dislike it i just have a hard time following some of it so it just builds my excitement for when this is turned into an anime so these can kind of be shown in their full glory yeah i think i i prefer the way how manga does some fight scenes especially like something like because i I feel like this the fight scenes in this is not really have a lot of motion to it compared to some anime some manga it's like we just see like like a lot of cool stuff more it's like to like a american comic but I, my main problem, like American fight scenes, that like they don't feel fluid. If you get what I mean, mm-hmm. it's like a lot of like cool shots of like action, like a lot of good like impact shots. But we don't really get to see the in between, like compared to like a manga. Yeah, and it does feel like a finicky art form. Like uh, I think it was even in the most recent Batwoman comics we've read that the action without having that flow, it just feels like it's a bunch of different action shots in a two page spread where I, mean, I see like, what you mean here and that I can see the progression of like what exactly happened or even if that's rough, I can always see the movement of it or where things are going. Definitely. That's that's the main thing. Like we don't really get to see like the movement. Like we can see like a, uh, in America, we don't really see the movement. Like this happened. This has happened. I mean, it's basically like how like Adam West style, how like most comics work, how you just see like pow, bow, but you don't really get to see like the in-between shots where I really like to see. That's why I'm not like, the biggest fan of like action in comics. Unless it's like these like big two page spreads. Like it just didn't have, they don't have that notion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what helps though, is the fact that like they don't have to dedicate so much of the book's existence to action. Like I think just the pacing of manga and the sheer number of chapters you get in a short period of time, I'm not mad when I read one or two chapters that are just dedicated to like a date between two of the characters or the gang going out for drinks. Uh, because I know later on they can also dedicate a full chapter to just throwing chainsaws and katanas at each other and having bombastic action scenes. Yeah. Whereas that's, comics have to was, play a line between that's, both. That's mainly just like the, the, the publication of these two different uh, media. Cause like, if you just read like a comic that's just action, if you like 
oh, it's not enough story. If you just read a comic full like story without action, you'd be like, there's not enough action. It's because it takes a whole month between like it takes a whole month for something to get released, you know? Compared mm-hmm. to like a manga where I can just read a chapter weekly. So I can like have a chill chapter or um have a chapter that's full of action where they still have like a similar impact. Yeah, it's, I think it's have more time to breathe between chapters. It, it it really just works best because when like most time you read something, you're reading something in like a collective format. And like a collective format, this works a lot more better where you have time to breathe and then you have like full blown action and time to breathe again. Yeah. And as far as like that level pacing goes and like as we're progressing through the arcs, I have to admit that like I haven't gotten quite as attached to most of the villains this book as much as I had, say, like the Dragon Ball Z villains or even some of the Bleach enemies. But I will say that, like, the designs of these characters really carries them a long way. And, like, their look alone can make them memorable. So like, how did you feel about the villains of the book so far? I, the best villain hasn't showed up yet. But mm. I feel like that's one thing that's going with this roller coaster type pacing that we don't get to see enough of, like, an explanation of the villains. Because it's, it's something like Kadana Devil, something about um him having some level of honor or whatever. Like it, it's it try to set something up, but he he dies so quickly that we don't really get to explain that. Yeah, and I will you know give my praise to the book as far as like establishing a lot with the villains in the little time they're here, uh, and this ties back to the action that like we'll see these special moves and trump cards built up through previous issues, like Aki's sword that you are told like is kind of his yeah his ace in the hole. His first time using it against the we the first time seeing it is against the katana devil and it doesn't really do anything. And we see that more with others, like they'll throw new characters at whatever fight is happening, especially the one with the bomb devil, and they just immediately get taken out. And they just it helps us show like both the resources at the disposal of the organization and the power level of the characters we're dealing with here. Yeah, that's that's one thing I do prefer about like action in um a manga compared to like an American comic that it really sets up like powers and clashing and whatever. So, like we having two classes of like a power and like what one character can do, what another character can do, and how they keep piling up on that. And um, and that also have like a clash of character as well between the two. Where in like a comic is most just a clash of character, if you get what I'm saying, instead of like mm-hmm. a clash of powers because they don't really, like build powers up. And it's it's a cool it's like it's a couple of cool like scenes with like powers that I mean we usually just have like Chainsaw Man just like cutting stuff up, but uh. But Aki's sword, if you if you go back and reread it, every time he uses it, like his sword comes off panel, like, it's outside the panel and it like cuts into the panel. I've never noticed that before, but I'm going to have to pay attention to that going forward. That's yeah, I'm, I'm going to send you. A, I send you a screenshot later on. It's really like cool. It's something going to do with a manga where like the sword is not inside the panel, but you can see it like slowly come in the panel and tap someone. Huh? Yeah. Uh, now. I will say the one villain that actually is going to stick with me through this arc, though, is uh, easily the bomb devil. I don't know if we want to give away who they are, uh, but that was a twist. Like, I knew something funky was going on, but I really did not expect the book to reveal that person as the bomb devil. And then the ensuing chaos just immediately afterwards, I thought was really fun and like a reminiscent of the Terminator just in a manga instead. I like I like it. If we're not going to explain the reveal, I like that that was one of the points of the book where we actually get to have like a low moment between um because it's a couple low moments but like it's this arc between compared to like uh, the building arc or like everyone out to kill him arc 
this is like the chillest part. And we really get to explore like Denji character between like how Denji doesn't know anything and like does Denji want to go to school or does he want to be free? I I really appreciate that arc, like just in the pacing wise. That it's not just a like I feel like some stories has a problem with over um gotta keep going like higher and higher and higher instead of like having like a chill moment like this arc. Yeah, and the way it even subverts the the tragic elements, like with the reveal of who it is, like ah, really, I thought this was just going to be like a, a major character was going to die from the next villain, and like that was going to be the case. But no, instead, one of the closest people to the main character is revealed to be the bomb devil, and it's like okay, I, I sadly this is right where I ended, but I feel like this might be the thing that actually has an emotional impact on Denji, if anything. What I mean, one of my favorite quotes did, did the mouse quote come up in this? Yes, yes. Uh, would you rather be the country mouse or the town mouse? Yeah, that's like such a cool quote that I have to quote sometime. Like, either you can be like the the field mouse that live in like a pretty like practical and like chill life, or you want to be like the the city mouse that want to like live in danger with a higher award. And that's like such a good thing. And what I really mean, where like this manga is like pretty juvenile in some elements, but like deep down, it's like it has some deep moments to it. Yeah, so I'm really hoping that, like, kind of what I said about the whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I hope that gets expanded on more, because I feel like at least the first 52 chapters have showed an escalation of that, like, as Denji's started to look toward filling more than his most basic physical needs, and just, like, what all that entails, and how much harder it is to achieve those dreams. Yeah, did the the movie scene come up? Uh, Like, the date where Denji and Makima go see the movies? Yeah, that's that's a that's another cool moment. Um, I didn't know that came up or not, but it's basically like uh, Denji and Makima goes out um, to like like uh, ten different movies, and like nine of them they didn't have any like emotion to it. And these are actually like movie like art house movies. Uh, and like the temp one, like we actually get to see like Denji does have some type of emotion. That was like a nice like slow scene chapter that I appreciated. Yeah, just they even say that like this movie that everyone ha- hates is the one that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Like, uh, I really liked how touching that date scene was for two characters that like are very questionable and have a lot of moral gray areas, but like there's still touching moments with them. Yeah, it's because like if like I can see like some stories like just like Chainsaw Man where it's just like full bombast and like action, you know, which none of the depth that this has, but like. That's one of the reasons I just love it so much because we have slow moments like this to really like show depth in like actual themes in this spare just like straight up action. Like uh compare like a comic that we reviewed uh in like the new fifty-two, I can see this being like Frankenstein basically with like just full bombast action with no depth. But this actually has like depth to it that make me uh keep thinking about it. Yeah, that's a good comparison, especially with like there's a lot of similar themes between this and Frankenstein with the the organization employing monsters and stuff and yeah, this actually is kind of what I wanted from Frankenstein. So, uh, yeah, really good pull there. Now, I did, like, kind of finishing up here, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was, like, the specific tropes this plays with in comparison to other shonen anime and manga. Uh, I think we've talked about some of these so far, but, yeah, I really am liking the change in pacing here and just, like, I keep expecting that Denji is going to find interesting new ways to use his powers, but, like, he doesn't really. He just finds other ways to cut people. Yeah, they're all, like, stupid ways of him using his powers like we went over like the sharp thing with him like 
the beam telling him like how to, to fly with like swinging his chains how he, he just used the shark or he turned his foot into a chainsaw yeah and i think really just the main character not caring about anything really other than just like uh keeping a good job and impressing the girl he likes like that's so different than what we see in goku or naruto and stuff like he just doesn't have like he has ambitions, but they're really undercut by how basic they are. Yeah, and that that would make it special because I mean you're used to just having like these like super like you know these um some so like achievable like you know you know the character's gonna achieve it at the end, but you know it's gonna take like to like the end of like the manga to achieve them. But like Denji is just a whole bunch of smaller goals and like to like increasingly to his own personal interests. Yeah, now, I mean, you knowing the medium a lot better than I do, uh, are there any other particular shonen tropes that, like, got subverted here that a casual reader not might not pick up on, or ones you liked a lot? Yeah, I, I like some of the ways how, like, things are paced differently, and how, like, some things that would, should have, like, an impact in some stories do not have in this. Uh, I mean, I, uh, like, how Denshi kills some people, like, especially like, Katana Devil, like, we don't only get to see, like, Denji do this powerful super attack he just like just cut some of his feet that's a really exercising trope um mm-hmm. i really just like how denji is like really like not like a good person compared to like characters like goku or naruto or like he's like morally like perfect characters at the end of the day but like denji is like really self-interest i like how like everything is like low-key with like a lot of exposition I mean, we barely, we don't really get to see like the one of the biggest like fight scene trope, but like characters playing their power during tropes, they just fight in this. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah, and I mean that was all things I was enjoying about the book. I guess I, not all of them had I picked up on. Like, oh, okay, they're subverting something here. Uh, it's just so different from American comics that yeah, I just took it as something new. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. It's it's a lot different. Than, like this is a lot different from American comics and like a whole bunch of elements. Now, I, I would like to know your general predictions for how you think this manga is going to translate into an anime this fall or this winter. Um, I, I have a lot of hope just because it's a lot of like talent is like a lot of talented animator that wants to come on this project. It's not it's, they're doing out of labor of love and not a labor of just trying to get it done, you know, so I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping I can see CGI might be in this in some instances. I don't know how I feel about that because I see like it's a lot of scenes where Denji is just cutting stuff at Chainsaw Man, and I can see that being in CG. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna hope for the best. I do feel like some element. I, I feel like some of the fight scenes might just be gonna be better, and um, gonna be better in uh, animation. My my main concerns of like the adaptation is mostly just um other parts. Like they have to find like the right voice cast for like the characters, especially like Denji and Power. Because, like, in this, they could come off with annoying me sometimes, but I'm reading it and not hearing it. Like, it's different between, like, getting annoyed by reading something and hearing something. So that's a Yeah, thing. Uh, I'm definitely calling that right now as, uh, I think, one or more of these characters that I like in the manga, I'm going to find just obnoxious in the anime. And even if they're good in the anime, I'm, I would put money that whoever they get to dub these characters in America is just going to, it's just going to sound stupid and ruin the humor, which I think is my biggest concern. Like, I think the animation is going to look great, but I don't know if this humor will translate as well to anime with how over the top they make some of those kind of like chibi or like very emotional, like humorous scenes. Yeah, Pacing as well. It's um especially we haven't put too much thought into it, but I keep mentioning the the uh when they're like trapped in the hotel. 
I can mm. see that lasting like six episodes in an anime, but I liked how brief it was in the manga. Like a lot of the mm. stuff is super brief, but I can see it being stretched out in an anime format. Yeah, and I mean they don't have a ton of chapters to work with, so I think that checks out. And I could see that just feeling weird as an anime, like such a big idea being tackled in one or two episodes. I mean, I think Demon Slayer sometimes does that, so there's a chance it'll be just as fast, but I certainly won't blame them for flushing out those scenes. Yeah, because, like, the fast pace is one part I actually really enjoy about it, and seeing this, like, bogged down, I don't know how I want to feel about it. Like, this is, I feel like this is, like, pace good enough that, even though it's fast, that it's still impactful. And I can see it might be, like, if it's a little longer, it might not just, I might get sick of it or something. I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm hopeful for the, uh, the, the anime. I'm just really recommending the manga first that their perception of the manga, the anime is shit, that they still um, enjoy the story. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, anyone reading this or listening to this a year in the future, if you're hating that anime, like, do check out the manga. But yeah, here's hoping it pans out, especially with how promising the studio is. So, yeah, wrapping things up here. I mean, if we're giving this book a recommendation on a scale of one to ten, where is this one coming down for you? Oh, definitely a nine. Definitely a nine for me because I I actually really love this manga. It's might be like my first or like second manga at this point. And I I have read a lot of them just because I just I so much I love about this. I can like ignore some of the flaws. You know, some of my biggest flaws is just the villains throughout these fifty two chapters that they don't get too much development. But other than that, like I feel like everything is pretty like down pat and solid. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to choose between giving this a nine or a ten. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a nine as well. Kind of like you said, with the villains just being a little underdeveloped. Uh, and you know what? I am going to knock a few points off for Denji being 16 and him getting in sexual situations. Like I'm glad they're not objectifying high school girls like manga and anime are so prone to, but like still not ideal that the character is hinted at being 16 and like we're seeing this. So whatever, not a huge deal. They managed to make it as least problematic as possible, but yeah, it, like, I don't have enough manga experience to like judge whether this is a nine or a ten out of ten, but for those problematic things, I'll give it a nine. Yeah. Um. And the next, uh, I can't wait for you to talk about the next the second part because, like, that's when like stuff just get really crazy. Hmm. Yeah, I'll be excited to revisit my score once I know how the series actually ends. But yeah, with our ratings given, that brings us to the question of the week, which this time we're straying away a little bit. But since this was like, this was the manga you told me to try if I was going to look into any. And yes, you were right. I now want to read more manga. So good job. Uh, Say we're doing this again, though, for someone who's not really into comic books and definitely not into anime or manga, which what would you put in their hands within the realm of anime and manga if you wanted to get someone into this medium? Oh, that's that's so hard to decide. It, it mostly just comes down to how well I know the person because it's mo- like trying to recommend someone like a manga is like really trying to like recommend like a freaking like TV show to someone. You got to know their interests first because it's like we got we got romantic, we got comedies, we got action. Um, like uh, let's the overall like good manga in general would be like something like Berserk if they like really like action oriented stories. That's a really solid one. Um, mm. A shonen perfect. It's really like. Even though you said like not comic book, like they like superheroes, Microdamia is like a perfect, like hearted series with some good themes into it. Yeah, I, I think I can whittle mine down to do two based on like who I'm recommending it for. 
Uh, one I'm basing off my brother who is very into TV and movies, but like, you know, the respectable kind stuff that's on HBO, something's getting nominated for Oscars. Uh, and he's not into comic books like I am. I really think that I could get him to enjoy attack on Titan. And that's how I generally feel for other people who like genre fiction, but not like specifically the stuff I do, just because I think on attack on Titan has a lot of elements. We love in an HBO series. It's, basically a red wedding for its first 13 episodes uh and it doesn't have a lot of the things that i think other people find cringy or off-putting in other anime like the humor isn't quite as prem uh, uh prevalent as say it is in like dragon ball or naruto uh the stakes are really high and it's just such an interesting premise that i'd like to see in any medium it just happens to be an anime so I feel like that's a good one to push toward my friends that aren't in that sphere. Uh, yeah, definitely. As far as the poor opposite goes, now, if it's like one of my sisters or my mom, then I'm like, okay, if you're going to watch one, uh, almost every nerdy female friend I've had has some love of Oron High School Host Club. Like, my wife doesn't watch anime, and she loves oh. High School Host Club. Oh, yeah, that, that's I, I, I watched that. I actually enjoyed that. Yeah, I haven't seen all of it myself, but I do like catching episodes here and there, or just because my wife's occasionally in the mood for an episode. Uh, so, yeah, like, if you're not into, like, the gritty, violent things, like, and would rather go the complete opposite direction, like, you like romantic comedies and stuff, uh, I think Oron is pretty accessible. Its dub is liked fairly well. And yeah, I've seen parties of girls get together and watch it. It's just a very nice, pleasant, like background noise kind of anime. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's, it's easier to get someone to the anime than like a manga. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's one thing you have to tell them from the get go. If you're recommending like someone to like a, a manga is, um, you gotta, I mean, an anime is like, you gotta like keep them clear that it's not like a shonen because Mostly, just, it's just shown that get like fully adapted. Uh, that you're not gonna get the full story of those series. It's like, yeah. um, Host Club only was like 13 episodes, but like the manga lasted like 150 chapters, something like that. Yeah, I mean, if you're not already into anime, I don't think there's a single shonen that I would suggest, unless you're like uh, an eight to 12 year old kid, in which case I think you're gonna love whatever they have to offer, and you barely even have to specify. Technically, like Attack on Titans, and this is technically a shonen. I guess I mean more of the basic ones, like your Naruto's, One Piece's, Bleach, etc. Yeah, yeah. I it it, it matters it matters how into anime you are. The first, I I think like stuff like that is mostly probably like pulling the anime for you put in the manga. But I'm not trying to like downplay those series are just for like children, just because they're marketed towards children. But I think those shows have somewhat. If you're like into that type of stuff, you wouldn't get someone like your brother, for instance, like Naruto. They probably wouldn't like it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is a question susceptible to the audience, but still, I think there are some pretty universal good suggestions for large swaths of the population. And yeah, I think hey, all of Yu our Yu mentions are a good ones for that. Yeah, Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Yu show was amazing. Yeah. Now, I think that brings our episode to a close here, but we'd like to thank you once again for giving our podcast a chance, and we want to give a special shout-out to Lady Grayson for designing our logo. You can find her as at LadyG underscore Nightwing on Twitter. If you have a question of the week you'd like to hear featured on the show, you can send it to us on social media. We're on Facebook as Comically Confused and on Twitter at, at New52Podcast. If you want to support the show, you can now join our new Patreon for as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash comically confused. 
Patron perks include bonus episodes, access to our fan discord, and special shout-out lists like this one for a first-ever league member-level patron who you can find on Twitter as at I'm Grant Keller. Awesome first name, by the way. And finally, if you want a free way to help us out, please leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice as that does really help us get promoted in their various algorithms. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll join us again next time where we'll be starting our coverage of Superman. Until then, we'll still be here, comically confused.